As long as I'm doing everything I possibly can to be a good person and to try my hardest to, to please them as well as helping us survive, yeah. then that's all I can do. I'd say we all need a healthy dose of OCD <laughs> because what it does give you is the ability to break down focus goal set uh, and plan so that you can balance lots of those different things and prioritise. Never let anyone see your weakness. Yeah. Don't let anyone know your weakness because that is an easy way to, like, to attack. Young people live in this world of almost better to stay safe than ever take a risk yeah. or, or put themselves forward. Welcome back to Success is a System. I'm Mike Green and we're joined today uh, by Sam Robinson. Sam is a business owner, a commercial property lawyer, a mum, a podcaster. Um, as you can see, the secret life of women in business. Uh, we will put the um, link for that in the show notes. So look out for that and check out Sam's podcast. Um, welcome, Sam. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. No, it's a pleasure. So we first met on um, LinkedIn. Yes. And... Uh, you know, I think on LinkedIn, the power of it really is about bringing people who might be able to help each other or might have common interests or might want to use each other in business or employ and so on. So it's, I think it's a great tool. But one of the things I noticed about you was the energy and enthusiasm you had in all of your language and communications. And, and that's something that seems to have carried through in the few minutes we've been talking as well. Yeah, I'm hugely passionate. And anyone who knows me knows I talk a lot about energies. And I'm, I'm a massive believer in giving off that energy and I believe it's infectious yeah, yeah. Um, and the energy you give off is the energy you receive. So, you know, sometimes on the school run, people go, morning, I'm like, morning, how are you? Really good, thanks. You know, it's yeah. just those little things because I think, to be honest with you, 50% if you, you know, don't want to know about any problems and the other 50% kind of like uh, get off on hearing about problems. So it's just... It's just giving off positivity and receiving positivity. No, it's a really good point. And uh, one of the sayings I remember one of my mentors saying is, misery loves company. Yes. So if you feed it, you suddenly have this pity party and it's just like, it's not going anywhere. It's just neggy, you know. Yes. Uh, and if I if it was a choice between a pity party or a positive party, I know where I want to be. Exactly. Um, we're going to get into all of the things that uh, you talk about. And we've got your logo here. I want to talk about that podcast as well as we sit here on my podcast. Um, because certainly women in business are really important to me and women generally because I was brought up by a single mother. She ha was told to put us into a home uh, because she couldn't handle, uh, it was four kids at the time, um, and look after herself because we were all kind of really young. They didn't know her. She had the power. She carried on. She looked after us. She grew us into strong individuals. Uh, I had lots of sisters. I've got two daughters. I've got a strong wife. So to me, uh, I'm very much celebrating that. But first, I want to go back. Tell us about uh, Sam Robinson as a like a six-year-old, a 16-year-old. And what were your motivations back then? Did you have visions of what you wanted to be, do? Uh, and what was life like for you? Yeah, I mean, we spoke briefly before and I said, I've always, always been driven and motivated. It stems back to my dad, who is a huge inspiration to me, um, huge role model. He's always been really driven and motivated and really successful. Um, so I went through school, um, did really well, got straight A's um, and continued on the academic process. However, um, I used to work as a Saturday girl in a hairdresser's. And I absolutely loved it. I used to look forward to going, washing hair, sweeping the floors. And what time um, was it? What age was this? What? Oh, I started at 14. Right. Um, yeah, used to work nine till five o'clock and get paid £15. <laughs> and I loved it. Um, and from that minute on, I wanted to wear my own hairdressers. Right. So even then, I had the vision of being a business owner. Um, and my surname used to be Booty. And I used to say, I'm going to have a, 
hair salon called Hair and Booty. Right. Um, it was always the dream. Um, I had a really amazing law teacher who I actually see on the school run every day, who's um, taking his grandchildren to school. And he said to me, please just do your A-levels and your degree and get your academic side and then look to see where you want to go. Um, and yeah, I went down that route and went into law and became a qualified solicitor. And you didn't carry that on? Well, you did carry so that on, I right? did, and How I did How did you get into business? Or? Okay, so as I was working as um, a solicitor, we then, met myself and my sister, set up a business in the background, um, which was called Boutipi. Um, it was a TP hire company, and we grew the business whilst I was still working as a solicitor. And I found myself really conflicted because I couldn't manage everything, and something right. had to give. Um, and it was a huge leap of faith to decide to walk away from this career that I'd mapped out you know, since being, since being quite young um, and worked so hard for. I mean, the training to go into becoming a lawyer is, is yeah. it's long and intense. Um, so yeah, I, I took the leap of faith and went into the family business and absolutely loved it. So Boo Teepee was a luxury teepee hire company and we actually won three regional awards and went on to become the national um, number one wedding wow. marquee provider in the UK. It was an amazing business. We hosted over 300 events. We were a five-star review company we prided ourselves on our customer services it was a, a brilliant company and then covid hit yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so no more events uh, no more events um we wasn't classed as hospitality so the funding was limited it was a tricky time um but it does make you reassess so you know we looked at the business and um even though the you know the um takings were really high on boutique when you looked at the profit margins right there was a lot of things we could improve on. There was huge staff costs, huge overheads. Um, you know, our storage costs were huge. And was you... it a very competitive business? Were a lot were a lot know, of people competing against you? When we started, it it wasn't too competitive. There was a, a main company, and then there was us, and then there was uh, you know we were quite scattered across the UK. Yeah, we yeah. we had kind of the luxury in our area. However, the last few years, TP companies were popping up left, right, and centre. Um, and we made um, a decision to, instead of cutting prices and matching those, we didn't want to drive the industry down. So yeah, we maintained, yeah. if anything, we put our prices up and we said, do you know what? We've got the experience. We're the number one in the UK. We, you know, you're paying for us and you're paying for that that yeah. service um, and that level of expertise. I mean, that, that's really important. One of the things to talk about with Joe Valenti, the apprentice, um, he talks about much better to uh, go premium yes. and then be able to have a great, give a great service than go value and not have any fat to, to give a better service yes. or to offer more and so on. And similarly, Charlie Mullins, who we're going to have on the um, uh, podcast in a couple of weeks, he talks about the fact he was the most expensive in London, but they knew that he would turn up on time. Yes. The house would be left as clean, if not cleaner, than when they first came. They wouldn't bring any extra muck in. The people, you know, everything about um, what they offered was premium. Yes. And uh, they, they used to joke about John Lewis. Obviously, their strap line was never knowingly undersold. Uh, but actually, the joke was that they were reassuringly expensive. And although that sounds like, hang on a minute, that, it, that, that's not right, is it? But there is something about being reassuringly expensive. So you yes. can know there's element service and trust and, and all the premium that goes with that. And I think because we were primarily, we did do corporate events, but primarily it was weddings. Yeah. And, you know, when you're talking about trust with someone, the biggest day you can't of people's... can't redo it, can you? Yeah. Yes, you've got to make sure you are performing and adhering to everything you've promised. Yeah. That trust yeah. relationship is just invaluable. 
So yeah, it was really important to us. And you know, that's what we prided ourselves on. We, our customer service, we had a 24-hour response policy. We emailed back in 24 hours. We we really pride ourselves on that yeah. customer service. Well, and you know, I wrote a book called Failure Breed Success. Jules yes. and I, you know, got a house, lost a house, delivered pizzas on mopeds for a couple of years, lost everything, rebuilt back, uh, and along the way, even building back, we've we've had uh, uh, troughs and um, peaks, if you like, uh, and I think that's the way it should be. Yes. So there's nothing wrong with when it goes wrong, but post COVID, and you sold and you made a bit of money from it, but was. Did you sell it because you fell out of love with it or did the bottom fall out of that as a business? What 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 happened? So, okay, we a bit of birth really. So we did the numbers and we, you know, we could have got around it. It would have taken maybe a couple of years, I think, when we did the maths and we could have got to that point. However, the love was lost. And I think when you lose the, lo- the love, especially in a business that is yeah. customer facing, it's a very, it's a hard one to get back. So, I, you know, my background as a commercial property lawyer um, was very transactional, but then I turned into a litigation lawyer. I was receiving um, legal letters, um, there was disputes on deposits, money paid, and that from a five-star company receiving no yeah, complaints yeah. to then going to not pleasing people, and it was impossible to please people. And it was co- it was the COVID laws at the time, not any failure of yours exactly. as to why you couldn't deliver. Well, we said, you know, our, you know, our terms and conditions were really tight. You know, I'd, I'd had them done and checked over by a corporate lawyer in my company. Yeah. And, you know, we did everything we could. And do you know what? We were flexible with the terms and conditions. We, we tried our hardest, but while surviving and keeping our head over water. So it was a really difficult time because we, we are people pleasers. Yeah, and to yeah. not please people, and to not only not please people, but want pe- people for them want to, to then go ahead and sue you was a really, really, yeah. really it's, tough time. Well, even though it wasn't your fault, yes. you obviously as an entrepreneur and a business person take that on personally. Uh, and, and actually, I think it's a really important point for people that... Sometimes in business, you do everything right and it goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we do, uh, in, as human beings, we tend to blame uh, somebody. Now, that uh, the worst thing is often we take that blame in on ourselves, Yeah. And then that leads to mental health or stress or anxiety and all of that. Whilst we're trying to, you're a mum of four kids as well. Yeah. So, you know, that's going on as well. And yeah. you're busy as, with a partner. Uh, all of that's happening. And in effect, you can become really lonely in the bubble of your business, even though you're doing it with your sister and that. But yes. it becomes this... Um, prison almost of problems and, really ha- and, and you have to deal with that how did you get through that because there will be people dealing with problems right yeah. now yeah uh, do you know what it was a really tough time and if we go back to that time I was all like I say I'm, I'm a mum of four I was homeschooling at the time as well because the, yeah, the kids weren't at school, weren't at school yeah. yeah and so basically we'd put our out of office on on our emails to say we will be working between the hours of 7 p.m and 11 p.m 12 p.m like uh-huh. you know we were working as soon as those kids was in bed after doing a full day of homeschooling and um, and all the stress that the children were dealing with at the time as well, to then switch on and then have to make those difficult phone calls yeah, was yeah. a really, really, it, it was really hard. And me and my sister had set roles in the business, which worked really, really well. She's trained in maths. She got a, a, um, a first and a master degree. She's really switched on with numbers. She did a lot of the account side of things. Yeah, yeah. I did a lot of the legal side, terms, conditions, contracts. But I also am more familiar with the difficult conversations so that tended to fall on me. And now whilst we spoke together about it, I was the one that tended to pick up the phone. And I'm not going to lie, I quite often put that phone down and I cried. Yeah. Um, and it was, I think it, it's just resilience, isn't it? And I think it's, looking back now, it's all about character building and growth and enjoying the journey. And it, it, it all leads to a greater, bigger picture. 
But it, I think it's just surviving and living day to day and just doing. I, I My mum always used to say to me, if you can sleep at night, you're doing something right. Yeah, and I used yeah, to think, yeah. as long as I'm doing everything I possibly can to be a good person and to try my hardest to, to please them as well as helping us survive, yeah. then that's all I can do. It's, it, we always seem to go back to, and you're talking about being a mum and so on, but in business, I talk about my mum a lot. I didn't have a dad around that was a, a reasonable figure, but our mums and dads are those um, mentors, if you like. They give us those things. So similarly, my my mum used to say there's no softer pillow than a clear conscience, yes. i.e. if you can go to sleep at night knowing that you've done your best, knowing that you've not screwed anybody. So, you know, even though stuff's going wrong and people are upset because it's their wedding anniversary or their, their wedding or it's their birthday or whatever – covid brought that on you were yes. not allowed to deliver even if you wanted to deliver so exactly i think you do your best and then you have to be out of sleep at night because you know they're increasingly realizing i talked with dom on the health and wellness um podcast the other week about if you're not getting enough sleep that will kill you quicker oh. than many other things yeah. and you every time you wake up you only wake up for a pee in the middle of the night but suddenly your brain goes Boop, we're yeah. awake now and, <laughs> and it's all churning and how, you know how, how yeah. did you sleep with all that going on and your kids waking you up as well. Yeah. Like um, do you know what? I, a lot of nights I didn't sleep. And I'm a huge, like you say, once you're awake, oh gosh, my brain goes into overtime. I quite often sleep with a pen and paper by my bed because I yeah. I think we're actually going back to a, a different subject, meditation and going into an alpha state. I think that when you're sleeping my, and I'm relaxed, my best ideas come. Yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah, sleep for me was, was difficult at the time. And I remember one day that I'd received um, a telephone call from a local newspaper who said they were running an article on um, a group of um, customers who had come together and said that we'd stolen X amount of money. We um, And I was actually six weeks pregnant at the time. I just found out I was pregnant. And I got that call and I just burst. I, I couldn't actually control myself on, the, t on the, t the telephone call. Normally I'm quite front and I'm, I'll put on that front and I'll put that shell up and I'll, yeah. you know, and I'll, I'll put on that act. But, oh gosh, that took me by, by surprise. Um, and I just said to them, I said on the phone, I said, look, my history is as a trained lawyer. I said, you know, we've done everything we can and we've done everything by the book. Um, you know, if you run this and go to print, you need to be really, really sure that you've, you know, you're not, you've, you're telling everyone that we've done everything within our terms and conditions. We've not, we've not breached any, any contracts. You know, we've done everything right and correct. Um, we had this conversation. I sent over all our contracts, terms and conditions. And she rang me back within an hour and said, look, spoken to the manager, we're not going to print. However, all in my head, all I was thinking was seeing on, I don't, you know, on Facebook when you see all the comments on the yeah, articles. Yeah, and I was yeah. just thinking, Beverly and where I live, it's such a small place. And reputation to me is massive. You know, I want, you know, I don't want to be seen as what they were trying to portray. Yeah. So that night, I didn't sleep well, even though I knew the article wasn't going to print. Um, so, yeah, I, it was it was a really challenging time. And I do, I mean... I know when I did a, uh, a bit of a foray into politics, which we won't get into, but I do love <laughs> politics. It's everything that we do about life. But there were journalists, and The Guardian were the worst, but several papers just lied, outright lied. Mm. But they can get away with it because they say allegedly or a yes. uh, source. And, and then you've got to either fight it, which costs a lot of money, exactly. takes you off your game and everything else. But I really wish sometimes that the press could understand, and we're seeing it with Prince Harry at the moment, going through, yeah. they could understand it's easy for them to be parasitic and write a story that is sensational, negatively or positively. Mm. But if they could only follow through the impact it has on people's lives, how it affects people. Not yeah. it's, it's not just a thing, it's people. Exactly. And it affects their kids and it affects their relationships and it affects everything. Uh, it literally can destroy people. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, journalists, 
need to have their eyes open to that and need to be made more and more uh, responsible yeah, for their actions. I, think. I agree because at the time it was a family run business and you know it was myself and my sister and then our partners, husbands became involved. So my husband actually went back to the building site and the building trade and I said, do you know what? We're doing everything in our power. Do you know, it's, it's uprooted our life. Do you know, we've gone from a really <clears> successful <throat> business to struggling. Um, and I think they don't realise that side of it. They're just looking at a consumer base and the storyline, which was, it was a gripping storyline. Yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, I think they do need to be held accountable. No, I completely agree. So uh, moving on then, that's happened. We <laughs> sold that. And yes. then you are again, what next? Okay. Um, so. so what were your decisions and and how long did it take? Because I often think it's like my mum used to say if I was really upset or I'd got beaten up or whatever it was, right, get up, pick yourself up, dust yourself down. And But there is sometimes a lull. We yes. do need to wallow for a day or a week or an hour, whatever it is. Entrepreneurs don't. They do bounce back quite quickly. But yeah. t tell us, that's gone. Did you take a breath? Did I did. Um, um, so basically we sold. Um, the sale went through in December 21. Um, and I was pregnant. Um, and so I, I had my little girl in March 22. So from December to March was probably the hardest period of my life because I had no purpose. I had no right. business. I was pregnant. I loved the gym and things. I was still doing basic workouts, but you know, I was quite heavily pregnant at the time. So my workouts had reduced. I had no, no other purpose. And I used to do the school run, come home. I'd potter around, I'd wash the pots, I'd do the washing. And I was like, I can't cope like this. This is yeah. this is not me. Um, so it was just a matter of like trying to reassess and repurpose and see where I wanted to go. Um, I'd come to the conclusion that I'm completely unemployable. And I said, I cannot... I most entrepreneurs are, yeah. <laughs> I cannot be employed again. And I had a few conversations and a few opportunities of hers, but they were working for people Um and it just wasn't right for me. So I spoke to a friend and she said, why don't you come over to Gonna Cook? And I said, no, I can't go back to law. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not in that headspace anymore. And she said, look, Gonna Cook is completely different. It's basically, you set your own business up and you contract with the company, you partner with them and you basically get paid what you bill. Now that is unheard of in law because most lawyers, if they look at what they bill for that firm yeah, yeah. To, to actually to earn 70% of that is just on another level. It also gave me the luxury of planning my own diary, working around the children. Like I'll quite often work evenings. Um, so I had the conversations, got the ball rolling and decided to to go back to law, but on my terms. Yeah. And for me, it's a win-win. Um, it's, it's brilliant. It's great to work my mind again. I'm loving the challenge. When I went into the wedding industry, loved it, but I wasn't challenged um in that respect so now I'm back to you know I've got a list every day and I've got things to do and I'm challenged um mentally and and I'm, I'm really enjoying it so yeah I'm back to back to law and lion eyes tell us about lion eyes oh so lion eyes so during um the lockdown periods it was obviously again I'm not very good at not doing anything so the weddings had calmed down we you know we wasn't allowed to do weddings we were all at home and I'm very passionate about health and fitness so I'd quite often post on my Instagram, I'd been to the gym, I'd done a workout and people were messaging me saying, oh, Sam, I really want to get in shape. Can you help me? Can right. you give me a bit of guidance? So I'd be messaging people saying, and I was almost um, fitness coaching throughout lockdown. And then I thought, right, okay, I'm going to look into this. And I um, spoke to a few suppliers, um, managed to source a supplier in China 
and source my own fitness products. Um, I then started hosting live workouts on Instagram, had hundreds of people joining us live. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, do you know what? Although it was a really challenging period of my life boutique wise, I can look back really fondly because, and that probably actually helped me sleep at night and helped me get through those times actually. Yeah, yeah. And I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. Well, they, they do say we're, we're, we're either pushed by our fears or pulled by our dreams. Yeah. And someone without a dream or a focus or a destination is lost. You know, it's like you're just drifting. Yes. Uh, and, and yeah, you've got your kids and that's a really important part of your life. Yeah. But, but you, as an entrepreneur, you also need this destination, I think, this Massive. goal, this yep. this peak that you've got to climb and without that we do become a bit lost I think and you know people can get into the psychology or whether that's right or wrong and you know when I became behavioral profile there's four core behaviors there's subsets and, and we're all very individual but when you what you realize is that you cannot make someone your behavior they are theirs and they're good you're good you know one I was taught once that some people go through life thinking you're great I'm not as good as you mm. or I'm better than you or we're both like rubbish the ideal thing is to say we're both great but you're different and I'm different yes. and that's okay yeah. but um no I think it's, it's it's really important to recognize that you shouldn't have to choose this or this or this. You should be able to be a multifaceted person and say, I can be a great mum, a great partner. I can have my individual focus and time, but I can also be a strong business person and have yeah. these goals and, and not feel guilty because people sometimes feel guilty about having their business or not spending enough time in certain areas. How do you balance that time and and? purpose and focus uh, as a businesswoman. Hope you're enjoying Success is a System. Every Tuesday we launch it on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Drop us a note and tell us who you would like to see or hear on Success is a System or what subjects you'd like us to cover to help you and your business. Success is a System, like, subscribe and make sure you get it every Tuesday for great lessons and systems that have made people wealthy, healthy and successful. You know what, that's probably why I actually started the podcast. Um, primarily, the mum guilt that I feel on a day-to-day -day basis. As is, well is that as a phrase, mum guilt? Mum guilt is a phrase. Um, it's a real thing. And every single mum that I've interviewed for the podcast resonates with that and feels that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the impossible. It's the impossible challenge. You, you're trying to do everything you can do to be the perfect mum whilst doing everything you can do to 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 progress a business yeah. and to grow and to, you know, I'm so driven and I'm on this journey that I will not stop until I succeed. But alongside that, I've got my four children. And not only that, they do every after-school club going, football, gymnastics, yeah. swimming, you know. And I'm all different. All different. Every weekend, you know, myself and my husband, we have to split. I'm at one football match, he's at another. And it's, it's constant. Yeah. And I, when yeah. you interviewed Greg Wallace on your podcast and he said about planning – that for me is a system to success yeah, because yeah. without planning, it's impossible. You know, I really need to make sure that I am planned and I know exactly where we are, what we're doing and how, yeah. what time I've got to fit everything in that I need to fit in. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because Greg talks about being OCD and, and a lot of entrepreneurs have an element of that. And, and actually, it's often seen as some uh, something that needs addressing or, or needs... Um, uh, treatment in effect I'd say we all need a healthy dose of OCD <laughs> because what it does give you is the ability to break down focus goal set uh, and plan so that you can balance lots of those different things and prioritize 
Definitely. And I think, like you say, it's balance. It's finding that balance. And there's periods of my life where the balance is one way or the balance has been the other way. And it's just trying to continuously deal with that balance the best way you can. And, you know, I always say no one's perfect and we've just got to do the best we can. No, exactly. And, And if you go to sleep at night knowing you've done the best you can then you can sleep well and you wake up and do more or different or better tomorrow, even if it's been a bad day. I think it's really important. So the secret life of women in business. So how many sessions you've done? Where are we with it? Who have you spoken to? Who's your kind of dream people to get on in the coming months? Do you know what? Um, This is a huge passion to me. I am a massive advocate of women in business, women generally. I'm, you know, if you want to call it a feminist, a feminist. I, I really do believe that women achieve so much to balance what they balance. I, I, you know, even I say to people, you know, planning, the children get an invitation to a party. You've got to buy the present. You've got to make sure they're there at the right time. You, you know, the school dinner money. I mean, my my school's newsletter, that is a full-time job. Like reading right. that is like, I don't know how many pages and then to schedule everything. So, you know, I've got um, I've got a massive admiration to women, mums, um, everyone. So, yeah, I, I I don't know what what made me think about the podcast. And I just thought, do you know what? I know a lot of people and I know a lot of girls that, you know, would like to share their story. And I'm motivated and yeah, inspired yeah. by that. So let's get it out there. Um, so, yeah, I started interviewing. I'm on to episode six as right. we speak. Um, local business owners. Um, I do have some exciting people lined up. I've got um, a uh, Britain's Got Talent semi-finalist oh, coming on, um, which is really exciting. I've got one of the Apprentice stars coming on. Um, yeah, it's I, I'm just I want to show to people that you can do it all. You can be a mum. You can be a business owner. You you can have those goals as well as being you know a good good yeah. with your family life and your home life, and it, it's okay to do that. I I, I mean look, I I am. Uh, very proud to be uh, successful because of my mum in many ways. I mean, the day I lost her, a week after I lost her, I just woke up in the middle of the night and I was really upset. And uh, and I, I, even now I sort of feel that. But I remember writing a poem, which I'll, I'll, I'll have to dig out again, but it was called Because of You. And it talked about all the things that she sort of gave me as a woman, as a strong working woman, we'd go to bed and she'd be whirring away on the uh, sewing machine. She, they, she used to do um, piecework. But I think it's really important to have the podcast because one of the things I do find as a podcaster myself, or, you know, fellow podcasters, I asked, I'm really conscious of diversity, so, for diversity. So trying to get different people on. But you'd be amazed how many successful women don't necessarily want to come on a man's podcast. And maybe that's... Uh, you know, sometimes it, it may be that I just don't want to put myself out there. I do find it as a behavioural profiler. Some of them don't want to be seen to boast. And that's mm. really sad because I'm thinking, and, and I've got it with um, a Sikh, very successful Sikh businessman who's a, a similar thing. He said, our culture, we don't boast. And I said, but it's not about you boasting. It's about some young girl out there or some young Sikh out there who's thinking I'm restricted because I'm a girl or because I'm a Sikh or because I'm this in in a prejudiced country, whether it's sexual or, or races or whatever. Mm. And it's really important for people's um, strengths to be shared, for that motivation to be shared. Now, I am really excited now. I mean, you've come on, which is great, because I haven't had many uh, women on there. It, it, it seems that oh, suddenly you get a turn. I've got Dame Mary Archer uh, coming on. She is like a Duracell bunny, you know, <laughs> so, um, just still got passion and energy. I, I, I said to her at a shoot, I was at 
Um, I don't shoot, but I was there uh, because I'm, I'm an ambassador for Cambridge Children's Hospital. Um, and she's very involved in raising money for the Cambridge Children's Hospital. And I said, you must be really proud because there's a road in Cambridge now called Dame Mary Archer Lane. Oh, wow. I said to have a, ne- a road named after you. And um, I don't know how she, how old she is, but she's a mature lady and it's wrong to ask the age anyway. But she's been around a long time, been a, a busy wife as well with children and, and Jeffrey Archer and so on. And I said, oh, it must be great to have an, a road named after you. And she said, yes, I want an airport next. <laughs> and I thought, you know, they're just fantastic. Still got that ambition, that drive to go forward. But it's important that we each in our different ways attract different people yes. onto podcasts. And so that people who are viewers or aspiring entrepreneurs or young individuals can see someone and think, oh, yeah, she's similar to me. And, and if she can do it with four kids and having had a business that didn't quite work out, then maybe I can. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, good on you. If you're getting people that I can't get and vice versa, yeah. at least we're getting them out there and sharing their stories. Do you know what? You, you've you actually covered exactly what kind of like that, that trend is. Every girl I've spoken to at the moment has said to me, they don't want to, they, they play down their achievements. Yeah, There's yeah. always a, I know, but it's, you know, it's only, it's only small, like, you know, and one of my friends who came on, she's a lawyer and the money she is earning, she's a mum of two, a single mum of two. And I said to her, what you've achieved is huge. Yeah, she went through a really yeah. difficult um, marriage breakdown. And she, I walked into her home and I said, do you realise what you've achieved? And then you've, you've come out a really a, a struggle, a period of time which is really difficult. And you've overcome that. And to see you doing that, that is so inspiring for other people. Yeah, yeah. So, And she didn't realise what an inspiration she was. And following the podcast, I honestly, every week, it's my lift me up. Yeah, I release yeah. it and I get so many messages saying, I've really related to that. I've just really enjoyed listening to that. How inspiring was that? And that to me, again, energies, you're yeah, lifted with yeah, energies. Yeah. And I get an absolute buzz of the, the energy. It just gives me that high that I need to keep going as well. And I think it's more necessary, necessary than ever because if we pick up on what we were saying about the press, the sort of pariahs, the negative that they're spreading, if you like, yeah. um, and this is like the antidote to that negative. If we can yes. get positive stories, stories of overcoming, stories of the business not working out, but you literally, it was a blip and then you're back on it. You're yeah. back on it with the next idea, the new idea, you know, how we can uh, um, take what's happened, learn from it, grow from it and go into something that's new and different and interesting and give people the belief that it's okay to fail. Yes. It's okay to feel stressed. It's okay to have problems, but it's not okay to just, stop absolutely and when you said about um you maybe struggled to get women on your podcast I can understand that because I did a LinkedIn post actually and it spoke about um my relationship with suit jackets now that is a trigger for me and when you look at triggers it's created by trauma now trauma doesn't have to be anything major it can be a small thing and trauma for me when I look back was when I was a newly qualified training solicitor you know, I was around men in blazers, in suits, uh, formal, intimidating. And I look back at that time and, you know, it's a very... I'm glad I didn't wear a jacket today. I know. <laughs> I'd have been like, oh, no. Um, but it was a really... I'm really intimidated by that. And when I walk into a room of these suit jackets and these men, it, it's hard for me to find my place, actually. And I think a lot of women feel very, very yeah, similar. Yeah. And I think my my trauma relates back to, to my early days as a trainee solicitor um, and a newly qualified solicitor. And I almost wish I had that confidence I have now to go back to those times yeah. um, because it's about knowing your worth. And no matter what level of qualification you are, what stage in your journey you are, we are all humans. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. we all 
deserve respect and you know and people only deserve my respect if they earn my respect yeah, and I look yeah. back and I think gosh you know what there'd be conversations I would have now that I wouldn't have dreamt of having back then um so yeah I think I think um it can be intimidating for women to enter a, a men's world almost yeah and and the more we can talk people to people rather than business to business or male to female or female to male, yes. if it can just be people to people and we can really start to break down that and celebrate those successes, but give young people the strength. Because, you know, I was conscious, I was saying to someone a couple of weeks ago, if if I got drunk and maybe um, was was sick at, at 17, 18, 19, whatever, a handful of people would know about it. I could deny it. I could say they're exaggerating, but only a handful of people would know about it. With social media and everything, mm. everyone's worried these days that someone catches it on a phone and suddenly four million people see it. And so young people live in this world of almost better to stay safe than ever take a risk yeah. or, or put themselves forward. And actually, therefore, I think the more they hear, these people have put themselves forward. They did fail. They did do stupid things. You know, Jules, Jules and I, some of the things we went through, I look back and I still kind of, the heckles go up on the back of my neck and stuff. But I genuinely, genuinely don't believe we'd be where we are without all of that. Yeah. And it's interesting. You say if you could go back and you've got more strength and confidence and everything now, where's that come from? Because what's changed from the the young businesswoman who, who was still a lawyer back then yeah. to to you now? What's given you that extra strength? You know what? When when I've listened to your podcast, Mike, and you speak about the journey and enjoying the journey, I genuinely believe that the strength has come from the journey. There's been so many examples I can tell you. Actually, one one example of when I had Boutique, I actually knew that we'd kind of made it and made a mark in Boutique yeah, because yeah. we got a legal letter saying we were going to get sued for copyright and trademark. Now, this was from the big boy and, you know, this was the, the main player in the industry. And we got it and I thought, wow, you know, they've kind of like, they think they've, you know, that we're, yeah. we're a threat. Um, so I picked up the phone and I actually <clears> rang and asked to speak to him direct and I had the conversation with him and I said, you know what, the industry is a small industry. Let's let's speak about this. You know, if do you genuinely feel that we've we've breached copyright trademark? You know, let's have the conversation. Um, and he didn't want the conversation. He wanted the the threat of the legal the legal letter. And he felt actually I think quite out of place me picking up the phone and speaking. So he was to actually him. more threatened by you than the other way around. Well, of. I I felt so from the conversation. But then there's a board that governs the um, the safekeeping of outdoor structures, and I became a director of that board. And I was the only female director. Um, and once I became a director, I actually got um, another one of the directors called me to say, I'm really sorry, but we're going to ask, politely ask for you to step down. And I said, oh, oh, for what reason? And they said, oh, because there's an ongoing legal dispute with another director. So I said, well, there isn't a dispute. There's There's been an accusation made yeah, and yeah, there's yeah. no there's no depth to that accusation. Um and, you know, we've defended that. Well, we didn't even go legal with it. I just nipped it in the bud. There was no accusation to be made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they, that pressure to tell me to step down. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not stepping down. Um, and then I had to go to a board meeting with that director and with the rest of the male directors, because I was the only female. And to walk in that room, honestly, that, that took some courage and that that was, you know, another sleepless night. If you hadn't walked in the room, you wouldn't have got through it. And if you hadn't got through it, you wouldn't now have the strength yes. to know you can enter that room, you yes. can get through it, you can come out stronger because yeah. of it. So those challenges have got me to to where I am now, where I feel a lot more confident. I, I will openly have those difficult conversations yeah, now. Yeah. I'm not scared of my thing. I'd rather approach it and face it. Well, it's interesting because Mark Wright, The Apprentice, the podcast yes. I do with him, 
um, he talks about when a similar thing happened and Lord, he told Lord Sugar, oh, they've said they're going to sue us over a competitor again, a bigger competitor. And uh, Lord Sugar says, great. He said, write this down. Um, he said, I, I want you to ring him. I want you to ring him now. And I want you to say, uh, this is Mark Wright. He said, yeah, but they've, they've said they're going to sue us. So I say, um, hello. And then say, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And he says, I can't say that. He says, you bloody tell him that now. Yeah. Because he's coming in like the big bully, trying to scare you, trying to push you down, trying to make you shake in your boots and, and stay little. Yeah. And you need to show him that you're absolutely willing to get into that fight. Yes. And yeah. that you're absolutely as strong, if not stronger than him. Uh, and And... You shouldn't have to go into conflict, but one of my mm. sayings is conflict leads to clarity. Yes. Now, you don't have to be aggressive in conflict, but if you do everything to avoid conflict, then actually you can never win a fight or a battle or mm. a, or or overcome something. So conflict where if you say something and I say, absolutely not, I disagree with you, I'm going to fight you all the way, uh, that you might say, well, I disagree. We end up, we can have a conversation. From that conversation, you might understand that you may be misunderstood me or vice versa i understand i misunderstood you and we may still part with the intention to sue each other or, mm. or to go different ways but without that conflict we don't have the conversation and without the conversation we don't get to understanding and without the understanding uh it, it's just like um magnets pushing each other apart but there's yeah. no there's no new outcome if you like so conflict is I, I used to say to my daughters a lot, don't avoid conflict, don't mm. avoid conflict. Uh, yeah. It's really important to have that conflict. I think it is, and it does, um, it does give you that thick skin. And I can understand now from business perspectives why people do have that thick skin because even with the best will in the world to avoid it, it does tend to happen. Um, like I say, <clears throat> COVID, who would have expected that? And you know, that a lot of conflict was caused from that, like a lot of the legal letters and the, the stressful side of it. And you like, we did everything in our power to avoid that, but it still came. Yeah, um, yeah. But my mum's always always said to me, you've got a shell, you put your shell over you and you don't let anyone in. You don't let anyone pass that. And I've always maintained that, that I can like, put on this front, I've got this shell up and, you know, I'll maybe walk away and from, from that meeting with that board of directors. I walked in that car and it was almost like a, oh, after the meeting I felt, emotional and emotionally drained yeah, because yeah, of yeah. the worry and um what it took for me to put over that that block and that shell to walk into that meeting um but I feel like like a lot of like my brother said to me today are you nervous and I said I am nervous but I'm excited and like now I feel like those experiences have led me to to take um to take opportunities and just to say yes to things because I've yeah, got that confidence yeah, yeah. from well interestingly I um I hadn't seen this lady for 40 odd years but last week I had breakfast with uh, uh, one of my teachers who was art and drama and so on and um, I got an art award in school and uh, I mean I didn't do particularly well in school didn't have any A's you know not like yourself or, or my daughters who got all A stars you know it's like incredible but I was B's and C's and and, and uh, grade one's GCSEs or CSE whatever they were anyway did all right but not good but I liked the arts and I did, I sort of relaxed and lost myself in a little bit yeah. of that. But one of the interesting things is when people ask me today, what good is school? What subject did you get most out of? Obviously you need the maths, you need the English to a certain degree, but I still today say drama was the most important subject. Yeah. And the reason I say it, you talk about putting on that shell or, or like this um, protective armor as yeah. people often talk about. And sometimes people say, Oh, I, I put a shell around me as if it's a negative in that, that stops people getting close to yeah. me. And sometimes it can be. But actually, 
I look at it from another way and I say drama was the most important because what they, I learned a few things. I learned voice projection, which is really important for co when I did conferences and things. I also learned to breathe uh, when I'm stressed because if you're going to do a, a, a show, an act or something, you've got to get some of that. So being able to breathe and not, and not let your lungs close down. Mm. But more importantly, in improvising and playing roles, I learned that if I wasn't feeling confident, I could act confident. Yes. You know, if I was scared, I could act as if I was fearless. Yeah. And actually, I think there is something about the more you do something, the more you become that. Yes. And actually, there's nothing wrong with putting on a shell if it protects you, you know, psychologically, or acting like something until you feel strong enough to be that without an act. 100%. And yet we tell people, don't put up a barrier, don't mm. put up a shell. Well, sometimes you need, if, if you're going to be shot down, you need some protective armour. Yeah, you do. Thing. And even if you're only worried about it, you need some. So I would strongly recommend people not to be afraid to put up a barrier. But And that barrier, it can come down, but it needs to come down when you feel that you're in a position where mm. you can safely bring that barrier down or there's enough trust there. Because yes. there are people out there that will shoot you down if they see any weakness, that will find that gap and, and, and you know break it open and yeah. destroy you. Um, whether it's the bully big uh, TP company or, or whoever it was that's doing that. It's so true. And like my mum actually, actually, I speak about her a lot, but they are huge genes, but I was such a, a close family. Um, What's her name, by the way? Carol, Cassie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she um, she always used to say to me, never, should, never let anyone see your weakness. Yeah. Don't let anyone know your weakness because that is an easy way to, like, to attack and... You know, and speaking about the school system, yes, I was very academic, but my brother was the complete opposite. My little boy, he's not, he's he's not, he doesn't suit the school system. Yeah. And I said, <coughs> excuse me, the school system is so outdated. You know, we're teaching people to work on your own. Well, we all know that to be successful, you need collaboration, you need a network, you need, you, you, do, you don't want to be working on your own. You know, yeah. there's a right and a wrong answer. There is no right <clears> and wrong answer. You know, there is a journey and you take it and you learn from that mistake. Yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to make mistakes at school. So I say to my little boy, I always use the example, I say, right, I got straight A's. I did really, really well. Your uncle came out of school with nothing and look what he's achieved. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. please, I, it, it, it's a, another trigger for me, the school system. I just think there needs some updating of the school system. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look at, I'm a doctor of education uh, awarded by Anglia Ruskin, which was the only way I was ever going to get a degree. And, I, and I'm very proud of it. Education is really important. And... Um, but not necessarily the school system. And it's interesting that there's a commonality of view there, probably. Uh, but I still look at it. It does give you a base, yeah. good, bad or ugly. And what I think about is the school system, in my view, is like the foundation. Now, you can build a foundation and on that you then choose what you build above it. But you still need a foundation. Yeah. Um, some people have a better foundation, others don't. But the the biggest mistake you could make is have that foundation and never learn beyond that. Mm. So to me, education is a is a lifelong thing, yeah. not necessarily something we do at school. Some of us are ready in school for it. Some of us aren't. Mm. Some of us feel like we failed school when really school failed us. I mean, if you're anywhere on a spectrum, dyslexic, dyspraxic, ADHD, ADD, the school system will probably fail you because it isn't yeah. built to, to handle that. Or as they try to handle that, they slow everyone else down who yeah. might be excelling. So 
Um, and part of that does need massive um, over, overhaul uh, because if we go back 200 years, your way of transport would have been your feet or maybe your horse. You know, now we've got electric cars, we've got aeroplanes, we've got boats, we've got all sorts of things. If, if you go back 200 years, your way of communication would have been speech. But more and more people now can read, can write. Yeah. Uh, we've got computers, we've got emails, we've got text, we've got mobile phone. But education, 200 years ago, you sat behind a desk and listened to someone probably bore you to tears. Mm. Today, you sit behind a desk and probably listen to someone bore you to tears. So education hasn't evolved or, or transformed in the way that most other parts of our lives have. Yes. And Elon Musk has gone as far as saying that he thinks within 10 years, it won't exist in the way it does today because there's nothing I can't learn on the internet. On the internet, mm. I can find a person who's relating in a way that I relate to. Yeah. On the internet, I can play something faster or slower yeah. I can replay it you know whereas at university now a lot of universities you don't even get to ask the lecturers any questions oh, they right. come they speak you speak to a tutor if you've got any questions right and it's like it's, it's gone backwards it's mm. not gone forward so no yeah. but I, I interview a lot of people who have failed at school Joseph mm. Valente uh, Neville Wright um, you're, you're from up uh, Leeds Yorkshire way um, I was up there with David Potts who got five F's at uh, O level right. uh, and is now earning four or five million pound a year as CEO of Morrison's as a self-built man from Shelf Stacker all the way through uh, 110,000 employees hundreds of stores and a great leader and passionate leader who doesn't judge anyone based on qualification because yes. of where he came from yeah so, no, I, I think we should all go into schools, spent certainly as a successful woman or successful man or successful business, to try and give those kids that belief that it's not where you start that matters. It's your, yeah. where you finish and the journey along the way that's everything. Thanks for joining us again on Success is a System. Thank you, Sam. We really appreciate that. Look forward to your journey and being kept up to date on it. Sam's information will be put in the show notes, so do look out for that. Do check out that podcast. If you've enjoyed today, like, subscribe and share. And we look forward to seeing you again on Success is a System. Uh-huh.